This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Good morning. I'm Roshan Karnison and welcome to Open for Business, the show that dives into the journeys and adventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. In the aftermath of the FTX collapse in 2022, the crypto landscape uh, isn't as sexy and appealing as it used to be, oftentimes playing second fiddle now to generative AI and chat GPT. However, that doesn't mean that innovation and development in the space has come to a halt. After years of work last month, the Securities Commission granted approval to Malaysian startup CoKeeps to be Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian. A pioneer in the Malaysian crypto and digital asset scene, CoKeeps aims to lay the right foundations to increase digital asset adoption in time. Today on Open for Business, you will learn how this homegrown startup navigated the ever-evolving crypto industry to become Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian and more importantly why is this their focus in the wide wide web3 world helping me with this conversation is suana hussein the co-founder and ceo of co-keeps suana welcome to the show thank you roshan it's an honor to be here suana let's start with the main question i think here is what role does co-keeps intend to play in the world of crypto All right, as you have mentioned earlier, we have just uh, received the full approval from the Securities Commission of Malaysia to be Malaysia's first digital asset custodian. What it means is that it gives us the permission to hold uh, others' crypto on behalf of them. We are responsible in safeguarding the assets, making sure that we actually segregate assets and roles, and uh, more importantly, having the right technology uh, infrastructure to actually protect our customers, our clients' assets. That's the gist of it. So there is a parallel to this to the current asset management and financial industry, right? So talk to us about that parallel, right? What, what, are, what does the finance industry currently do with uh, assets that we're more familiar with? Say, unit trusts, for example, they are kept in custody. There are trustees involved here. How do you compare to that? Um, similar, similar role. I'm really glad you asked because in the traditional finance space, it's clear that uh, you need to appoint a trustee, an independent third party, to safeguard uh, the customers or investors' assets. So in this case, we're playing a similar role, but uh, due to the requirement of dealing with digital assets, you need the technology capability in uh, managing the digital assets uh, on behalf of our clients. So similar fiduciary roles, we have to report to regulators and our customers on the on the transactions, where it goes to, to make, making sure there's a proper KYC, AML uh, checks are being done uh, on the on the assets. Yeah, so from my understanding, you are storing digital assets using a combination of cold and hot signature, multi-signature wallets, um, and among other things. So... It is a while the principles are similar, the technologies at play between traditional finance and what you are doing in the crypto space is different. Um, and obviously, through this, it brings up the problem that you were trying to fix, right? And FTX is a great example of this area that you're trying to address because when you have the ultimate problem, seems to be that there is commingling of uh, client funds with uh, the funds of the firm. Right, which mm-hmm. means that your funds technically aren't protected. Now there are crypto players such as Luno who use uh, their own custodians, but they're not Malaysian based and mm-hmm. they're based uh, overseas. Uh, but FTX is a great example of a situation 
of showing the, I guess, the fatal flaw in the system if there is no proper custodian in place to protect your uh, the customer funds, for example. Um, talk to us about how this idea came to you, though, as in why was this the problem that you decided to fix or address? Okay, I think before I answer that question, I'm really glad you also mentioned about FTX because before last year, it was very, uh, I would say, like rather challenging to actually explain to people the 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 requirement of having a custodian or independent third party to facilitate the management of digital assets. Then after that, uh, with the FTX saga, uh, now everyone's awake. Uh, even the uh, the SEC in the US, Gary Gensler starts to require all the players segregate the assets you know like if you're if you if you do trading uh, if you do market making separate that like so if you're in exchange do not hold custody of the customer's assets so now um so now it's relatively easy for us to actually explain what a custodian for digital asset means so how we came about was um I mean, for me, I've been a technologist for more than a decade now. And before this, I was working in an energy industry where my role, um, I get to actually shop for <laughs> new technologies for the companies to adopt, uh, be it mechanical solution, chemical and digital solutions was a thing, especially back in 2018 and IoT was huge. So naturally, I would look into blockchain solutions as well. And that's when I... Uh, happened to you know meet up with my current uh, founding team, Azri Fatzil and Mark Smalley. Uh, Azri, at that time, he was the CTO of uh, Singapore Precious Metal Exchange, um, building custodial solutions uh, for the exchange, uh, you know, tracing with the commodity, as well as how do you tally up with the tracking uh, system. And he dealt mostly in like with Singapore uh, Customs, Changi Airport, and uh, other regulatory uh, agencies as well. So he he he's the hardware guy and he knows how to build that product. Um, and Mark Smalley, he was the I would say go-to blockchain consultant in Malaysia, and he was also instrumental in collaborating with the SC in uh, coming up with Project Caster. And Project Caster is basically a blueprint of. Um, Cap, uh, blueprint of digital assets in the capital market and how it's being done. So at that time, I wanted to explore using blockchain for the energy company that I was in because there were so many uh, benefits um, in terms of um, uh, making things efficient, reducing uh, operational costs. Um, and that was my role as a technologist too, right? And um, But we couldn't go... Like we couldn't mature it much because there was lack of an independent third party to facilitate this uh, or having the right team to actually manage digital assets. So, and that's when we come to the conclusion, okay, you need an, a custodian, uh, like a role like of a custodian. And that's when I decided that uh, if we were going to make this happen, if we were going to you know, implement this in, um, in the bigger picture, uh, we we might as well apply uh, the permission or approval to be a digital asset custodian because, I mean, we have been talking about digitalization, I think, since the 50s or so about 70, 70 <laughs> years now, and um, digital finance for about 20 years. But a lot of processes that support this are still frustratingly manual. Um, and I... 
I mean, the thing is like there are a lot of things that still take days. Like you still have long receivable days, um, higher transaction costs, uh, especially cross-border. That did not make sense to me, although we said that we live in digital finance. So uh, when blockchain came about, um, and that's when I was convinced that uh, we should adopt this even as a technology itself. So it's clear that blockchain captivated your imagination or at least really pulled you uh, in uh, because we've spent a few minutes talking about that now. Uh, you worked with, uh, you mentioned oil energy company. Um, it's very clearly that this was Petronas that you worked for for about four years with your and you studied uh, mechanical engineering, you had a uh, degree in business administration. Um and as interesting as blockchain is, and as much as it pulled you in, what was it that, that made you change this, this trajectory of yours? Because again, entering the world of entrepreneurship and building a startup isn't um, straightforward and can often lead to many, 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 many sleepless nights. So mm-hmm. what gave you the confidence to go into this? So blockchain is, uh, I mean, it's a technology and cryptocurrencies is the application of uh, blockchain, right? Uh, for me, what hits home to me was, uh, I think, can be boiled down to two points. I think first is in terms of money. Um, I, I remember growing up, uh, my dad used to tell me that a plate of noodle would cost about five to ten cents when it was costing me about one to two ringgit uh, back in early 2000. Um, now a decent a plate of noodle would cost about five to seven ringgit. Um, so, I mean, the economists will say that that's inflation uh, and a bit of inflation is healthy for the economy. But I can't get I can't get past that actually. So when Bitcoin came about, um, where they deal with uh, inflation by true scarcity, it can never go above 21 million. Uh, it's transparent, it's immutable. So I was convinced that this is a technology that I want to dive deeper into and then perhaps, uh, you know, treating it as a career move as well. And uh, when I met up with my uh, current founding team, they... They, they have built a robust wallet, you know, in my opinion, whereby because they're both like they, they built a product where they themselves won't be able to access customers' funds without the right approval. With that paranoia, that helped in building a secure and robust infrastructure. So we have that and we, we foresee that, okay, uh, with the guidelines on digital asset that was um, issued in, I believe, late 2019 or early 2020, we think that, okay, we can go for the approval for digital asset custodians. So we can go, uh, we can grow the business on two approaches. Uh, first, as a cust- for custodial services, uh, and secondly, on uh, being a technology provider. So now we've got to go into a few messages. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about whether it's a concerning time to be venturing into the digital asset industry, given the fall of FTX, and also other things, including the business model and the go-to-market strategy for CoKeeps. Folks, I've been speaking with Suana Hussein. She's the co-founder and CEO of crypto startup CoKeeps, Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian. I'm Roshan Kanesan. We'll be back here on Open for Business in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Begin Free Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison and this morning I'm speaking with Suhana Hussein, the co-founder and CEO of crypto startup CoKeeps. They're Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian. Um, before we get into the fall of FTX and the whether it's a concerning time to be venturing into digital assets, you've been working with the Securities Commission now for three years on this project, right? So even though you got the approval just a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, this has been three years of your life. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about the process and how it unfolded. Okay, so we started uh, during the pandemic. And uh, given that I did not come from the capital market um, space, it was rather challenging. Um, and my founding team were, uh, were all like from technology. Our strength is more on the technology rather than in the capital market. So it took us some time to understand uh, in terms of how it really fits in, uh, in the bigger picture for the capital market. And so in the beginning, we focused a lot more on building a robust and secure wallet or infrastructure. And we did that by collaborating with, um, with, uh, with a few players in the market. We tested the, the infrastructure in one of the regulated exchange. And then we managed to actually collaborate with Cybersecurity Malaysia and um, get it penetration uh, testing done as well. So along that way, we, we, we learn, we make mistakes and then we improve. So they give us some time to actually build a more secure product than about three years ago. And also in the meantime, while working with the Securities Commission, uh, understanding the, the fiduciary responsibilities of a digital asset custodian and how we are able to monitor those uh, transactions, especially cross-border. I mean, it's hard mm. for us, especially like being dealing with digital assets. It has its own intricacies. And then, um, and, you, and you're dealing with regulators that rather like, that quite familiar with the uh, traditional finance. So not everything can be translated into the digital asset market, but there are a couple of key points like frameworks that we can actually adopt, such as segregation of roles, such as segregation of assets. And you mentioned about FTX. Um, So, I mean, there are a couple of still exchanges that are still holding um, the customer's investor's asset on their own. And that shouldn't be allowed to happen because... How are investors able to be protected in this case? So, I mean, we can't rely on regulators to push for this. We need to have uh, we need to have customers or investors uh, demanding uh, themselves on on having a third party to protect their own assets. So, while we're on this point, um, considering the volatility of the space and the fall of FTX, there's a lot of jitteriness around the space, right? And some may consider, may think it's a very concerning time to be venturing into the digital asset industry, whether as a consumer or an institution or as a startup building in this space. But I guess conversely, has the FTX fallout really given a boost to your particular industry, the uh, space that wants to make it safer to operate here, to to own crypto. Uh, are you able to essentially ride this, the fallout of FTX? Definitely. Uh, I would consider this as a blessing in disguise, actually, because after the FTX saga, FTX bankruptcy, it uh, highlights the need of um, having an independent third party, having segregation of assets, um, having proper risk management, proper checks and balances uh, among those who actually manage other people's money. And um, 
although, I mean, we can say crypto winter, but it's actually, it's macro winter right now. Mm. It's everything winter. <laughs> and um, with this, we also saw, I mean, with this current situation, like such as last year or this year, we see a lot more institutional participation, such as Fidelity. Um, and you have BlackRock with Bitcoin ETF. So there are coming, institutions are coming, and that would um, boost the infrastructure required uh, at, a, at a macro level. Because before this, there was a lot more retail or individual involvement. But now we see, you know, the, the big TradFi boys, they are getting into the space themselves. Mm. So, but they can't get into it without having uh, proper risk management. Right again, checks and balances, and who can pro- provide that by appointing an independent third party? But, but that's not enough. You need to go beyond that. You need to also assess like um, those who actually those appointed custodian. Do they know how to manage the digital assets well? Do they understand the nuances in uh, in cryptocurrencies, different layers of blockchain? So these are the uh, the 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 types of questions that the consumers or in this case, clients or institutions should ask when they get into the space. Now, all this sounds great. And we are seeing institutions enter the space. The TradFi uh, players are coming in. Um, but ultimately, in order for you to succeed over the longer term, it's going to come down to the business model, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to come to ability to grow, to make a profit. So give us a sense for what the business model is for your business. Okay, so um, for the custody, I think it's very straightforward. It's percentage based on AUM, and we're trying to be competitive uh, against our uh, other, against other players. And in this case, I mean, being uh, first in Malaysia, it means that we're competing on a global stage, right? So um, besides that, we also um, have subscription model on an annual contract, and that differs based on the scope of infrastructure they require. So be it like just cold wallet, or do you need hot wallet, or with API access as well, or do you need smart contract features? Because we have that uh, whereby you're able to conduct tokenization or deploy your own smart contract with an easy-to-use interface. So we have that. So, I mean, because we're in the business of bridging the gap between the wild world of crypto, like you have mentioned <laughs> earlier, with the regulated environment. So in order to do that, um, these are the products that we're offering. And uh, of course, that's not enough. We, uh, Since we have the capability uh, or technology know-how, we are able to even conduct a bit of blockchain analytics um, and, um, and identifying or addressing the requirement from the regulated market in terms of identifying the bad actors. So that would involve KYC, AML, travel rule. Uh, so that would be part of like the subscription uh, offer as well. What kind of traction have you seen for your services now that you've been approved in the last uh, one, two months? I would say we have a good problem um, in the sense that we we have demand um, and uh, we're trying to catch up with the supply. Uh, mm. That's where we are right now. So in terms of traction, we have, um, we're talking to fund managers, of course, digital asset exchanges, um, and then you have uh, the FSI, the financial services in, uh, institutions, such as trustees, um, digital banks. And um, we've also been talking to corporates. Now, corporates can also adopt digital assets in a way that uh, help them to reduce transaction fee, especially cross-border. Um, I mean, just give you an example, if you're a conglomerate or if you have a holding company whereby 
uh, each of your subsidiaries transact frequently with each other, especially on an interna international stage, then you would want to adopt digital assets. Uh, it can be private network and uh, it can re help you reduce transaction fees significantly and you can do the settlement at the end of the day. So um, this would be the immediate needs, I would say. Um, those crypto natives, uh, especially those in investors that start holding um, large amount of crypto uh, when they're not happy or not, they can't sit still, um, not confident about their current wallet, being able to protect them from theft, um, from this malware everywhere. I mean, even we know that um, a lot of institutions getting malware and DDoS attack so often. So um, these are the stuff that, uh, these are the areas that we're looking at. So up next, we'll talk about the go-to-market strategy in order to leverage your first mover advantage, some of the growth strategies that you're looking to tap into, as well as the funding strategy and your long-term goals. Folks, I've been speaking with Suana Hussein, the co-founder and CEO of crypto startup CoKeeps, Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian. I'm Roshan Kanison. You're listening to Open for Business. Up next, we have the news bulletin and then back here on Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Brave, free Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison and this morning I'm speaking with Suana Hussein, the co-founder and CEO of crypto startup CoKeeps, Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian. Um, Suana, over the last half an hour, we've kind of broke, we've broken down why you've entered this space, the business model that's going to power all this and the problem you're trying to fix. Earlier when we were talking about the business model, um, you know, the uh, institutions are going to be wanted, wanting to look at this and there's multiple problems you're solving, right? So one is transaction costs, uh, that's something you're looking at. And um, there was also um, a point you mentioned about one of the potential customers here could be trustees as well. Mm -hmm. Is there an avenue here in terms of your growth uh, to be white labeling the technology to existing trustees out there? Definitely. Um, this is something that we're offering to uh, the traditional trustees as well as uh, even other players in the digital asset custodian space. This is something that we're comfortable uh, to, to, to share with the market. And uh, not only that, I mean, if you're talking about internationally speaking, we have other ju uh, digital asset-friendly jurisdictions such as Dubai, Hong Kong, um, and in Thailand as well. So we are open to even offering that uh, to, to other players in, in a similar space. Where is the priority? Is it in being a technology provider or to execute upon the custodian strategy on your own? I think being a custodian, it so-called, I mean, it's sort of restrict the market because you're only restricted to the Malaysian landscape for now because uh -huh. we're regulated by, uh, by the Securities Commission of Malaysia. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can only source Malaysian uh, customers. We can even go outside. Um, but I think with custody, we need to apply licenses everywhere mm -hmm. uh, globally. So 
But on the technology front, it's due to the strength of the founding team where we're, we consider ourselves as tech first and financial services second. And having said that, and we, we, we love churning out products. I mean, when I say we, mostly my, uh, my CTO and my advisor <laughs> as well. And, um, and there's a lot of exciting things because crypto, I mean, it's an, I mean especially being in the tech industry, it's a, the problems evolve rather quickly, <laughs> right? I mean, even just um, NFT was huge and now you have the ordinals. So um, I would say we would have to go on both fronts. Yeah. And um, eventually to be uh, to be able to cover other types of assets as well, being custodian for other assets. That just makes sense because uh, that's when uh, it actually complete the all complete the end to end structure uh, in the in the financial market. Yeah. So but I think what's clear is that you see yourself as a tech player first and you want to build more products here. So we can expect more things to come out from co-keeps in time, I'm presuming. Definitely. Um now you've uh, you've got this first mover advantage now, getting the full approval for digital asset custodian services uh, under the Securities Commission. There's another company that's got in principle approval, so not that much of a head start in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the go to market strategy to leverage this first mover advantage that you have? Well, I think being in this space, being first, not necess- not necessarily is the uh, is a good thing as well because there's a lot of barrier that you need to knock down, mm. right? Um, and changing uh, the general perception on dealing with digital assets. So I mean, even having another player in the market uh, strengthen strengthen uh, the case for a role like ours. So in this case, I mean, the way to go is actually building use cases uh, for, for different sectors. Um, understanding that Malaysian tends to adopt the wait-and-see approach, and that's what we have to do, um, hit each sector or, uh, or each customer segment, build their use cases, and over time it will be replicated. What do you see as the primary drivers that will help you grow going forward? Yes, we talked about earlier how right now you have a good problem in the sense that uh, the demand that you have doesn't match the capacity that you're able to provide, or at least your current capacity. But going forward, I'm sure you're looking to scale. You are a technology-first company. Um, The growth is going to be key for you. So what are the primary drivers that are going to be driving growth? Um, Besides building more use cases, I think would be having a stronger market structure mm. and this is something that we we can't control necessarily control and we have to work collectively with other industry players uh, as well as with um, customers and regulator having market structure is important because that introduces um, checks and balances and um, and you have proper risk management so once you have that then there will be a lot more adoption by by the others so I would say that's the main uh growth driver. What about building your own capacity in order to keep up with this new demand? I think uh, we were fortunate enough that um, our revenue so far will help us to sustain uh, for a while. But at the same time, of course, we are in the midst of fundraising for us mm-hmm. to ramp up our delivery to, to customers. Um, there Products are always growing and we need uh, funding or we need to recruit resources to do that. Um, so there's, there's a good opportunity um, and like, you mentioned, uh, like I mentioned earlier, a good problem. So we just have to keep, uh, keep up with that. Um, funding is going to be key for you. Uh, as far as I can tell, you won a grant 
150,000 ringgit grant from Cradle back in 2021. Um, how much funding have you secured so far? And give us a sense of how it's been utilised. I won't be able to share the details on how much we have raised, but um, but the amount that we have raised uh, was spent a lot on the product development, mm. on building robust um, wallet, our CoKids wallet, which is based on our core proprietary technology. So in order to do that, we need to actually spend on um, testing, getting audited. So yeah, a lot on product development. So the next fundraising will be a lot more on growing and expanding the business itself. All right, let me rephrase then. Um, have you raised any more money aside from the grant from Cradle back in 2021? Yes, we have raised. Uh, and you are yeah. looking to raise more. So how much do you think you need to raise in order to take you to the next level to achieve the, the goals that you want? I would say a couple of million dollars will help us to actually... Um, Are we talking about a couple? Is it $2 million specifically or like yeah. a few million dollars? <laughs> it can be a few million dollars. I'll <laughs> keep it vague there for now. <laughs> and it will be, I think it will be sufficient to, you know, tackle Malaysian demand uh, as well as going for the regional expansion as well. Do you have a specific number in mind that you're shopping around uh, or is this... Are you still in exploratory stages in terms of the conversations you're having with investors out there? I do have a specific number in mind that is sufficient for Malaysian market. Mm. But due to the, again, demand that we have, we want to catch up to that. And so um, that's why I said a couple of million so that if we are able to fundraise that amount as well, then we will go beyond. Have you talked to investors already about this, uh, your fundraising plans and what's the response been? Uh, it's been good. Uh, we are still, uh, we're in the midst of finalizing the details and um, I think, you know, finding an investor is also it's like finding your partner in life, right? Because uh, <laughs> uh, they'd be part of your cap table. So we are talking uh, to a couple of potential investors. And um, I mean, still too early to say uh, what that, who will that be? But um, yeah, let's see who, who we will end up with. And a key concern for investors now, uh, given the higher cost of capital and higher interest rate environment, uh, it's no longer about growth at all costs. It's also about profitability. So give us a sense for the potential profitability of this business and the timeline that you're looking at to achieve profitability. Yes, you're right. I mean, right now with uh, with a higher interest rate, uh, then it means that investors would expect us to deliver higher ROI to them as well. And our focus will be on turning black in less than five years, actually. And I'm quite confident that we're able to do that. Um, and let's see how it goes. Looking ahead, given that, you know, you're just building up a customer base, you just got your approval, your full approval, um, the next one year is going to be critical for you. So what are the key goals for CoKeeps in the next one year? For us, uh, since we just started uh, in Malaysia, so we're going to get a customer from each target segment, customer segment first, and have it replicated. I think that one year uh, we have quite a reasonable but um, satisfactory target as well. Uh, I think based on the targets that we had and then the current demands that we have, I think we're, we should be able to already uh, close that. All right. Uh, Swana, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Folks, I've been speaking with Suana Hussein, the co-founder and CEO of crypto startup CoKeeps, Malaysia's first qualified digital asset custodian. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station.
Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.